Hello and welcome to the Yosemite Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, and today's episode is going to look at some things to do when visiting Yosemite in the winter. This episode comes as a request from one of my listeners, and as I record this, we are currently getting our first snowfall here in Yosemite Valley, so I figured this was a great time for it. Very fitting, in fact. Uh, This is kind of an early snowfall for us, so it's really exciting, Um, meaning that all of the suggestions that I have would be really good if you came in the next week. So winter is considered the off-season for Yosemite, but I'm here to tell you there are so many great reasons to visit during this quiet time, and I encourage everyone to make a winter visit to the park a priority at least once if you are able to do that. And I would even go so far as to say that winter is my favorite season in Yosemite. And of course, when spring comes along, I'll probably say that spring is my favorite. I'm a very in the moment person. I do really love winter, though, because I like um, I like quiet and I like solitude. So this is kind of the perfect season for me. Most people who come to Yosemite visit between the months of May to September. So that alone is a good reason, a very highly motivating factor for visiting in the wintertime. You will never have the park more to yourself than during the crisp cold months of December, January, and February. I can walk for miles and the only thing I'll see are deer. In the wintertime, it's just great. But while winter does not seem like an obvious time to visit for most, there are still so many things to do to fill your time here. So the first thing you should know when visiting during the off-season is that there are some limits to the places you can visit in the park, um, places that are restricted because of weather. So the Tioga Pass Road to Tuolumne Meadows and the Glacier Point Road are both closed to, to car traffic in winter due to snow and icy conditions. But those are really the only permanent limiting factors, and that does happen every year. Um, so just keep that in mind. But the Mariposa, Tuolumne, and Merced Groves of Sequoias are open and accessible, sometimes only by snowshoe or co- uh, cross-country skiing. Um, and then there's the Badger Pass Ski and Snowboard Area, of course, and Yosemite Valley and Hetch Hetchy Valley are also open. So there are still... Most places, um, well, I shouldn't say most places, most of the park is actually closed to traffic, but there's still a lot of places that you can get to uh, if you're coming during the winter time. The next thing you should know is that the temperature in Yosemite is in Yosemite Valley, I should say, is actually pretty nice in the winter. It's definitely chilly at night, but there are some places in Yosemite Valley that you could get away with wearing a t-shirt on most days for a part of the day. So it rarely gets very, very cold like other places in the winter. Um, And that's something that a lot of people don't realize when they visit. It's actually pretty moderate. The average temperature uh, hovers around 53 degrees Fahrenheit or 12 degrees Celsius by day and 28 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 2 Celsius by night in Yosemite Valley. So it's a great opportunity to get out your chunky knits and beanies and gloves, but no need to go overboard. You don't need like your Arctic parka or anything like that. Base layer pants and a base layer top with one or two mid layers, a puffy coat, warm shoes or boots with wool socks. That's really all that are necessary to enjoy the park comfortably. 
And if you need any of that winter gear while visiting, you can find everything at the Mountain Shop in Curry Village, and that is open daily in the winter. And since we're in Curry Village, let's talk about our first winter activity, ice skating. The ice skating rink in Curry Village is historic. It first opened in 1928 as part of a bid process to bring the Winter Olympics to Yosemite. Um, Now, that bid did fall through, but the ice rink remains. Kind of. (laughs) The original rink was dismantled a few years ago for very strange reasons, but a, which I will not dig into. But a temporary outdoor rink is the same as assembled in the same spot every year um, with just beautiful views. Ice skating sessions run every day from 3.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. and 7 to 9.30 p.m. That's, I'm sorry, Monday through Friday. And then there's an extra session on Saturday and Sunday that runs from 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. And they have that little gap in between so that they can Zamboni. So that's a fun (laughs) reason to stick around and watch the Zamboni driver smooth the ice out, which is like probably my favorite part of ice skating as a kid. Uh, So tickets for that can be purchased at the Curry Village Tour and Activity Desk. And that's next to the registration office, um, which is separate from the ice rink. So keep that in mind. Um, So they also have a little fire going there next to the rink if you're not into ice skating or you need a warm up during the session. Uh, That's a nice little side activity. And in the past, they've had s'mores and hot beverages for sale. So there's something for everyone to enjoy uh, in your group at the Curry Village Ice Rink. Plus, the views are amazing. The rink rests right below Half Dome. So the photo opportunities are some of the best you can ask for, especially if you're there at sunset. And in the winter, we get really nice sunsets. And that's due to all of the moisture and uh, particulate matter that's in the air that creates that beautiful alpine glow effect on Half Dome at sunset. That would probably be a good option for um, the earlier session if you can get to that. And then the late session is lovely too because you're skiing in the under the lights and the stars overhead and it's just so fun and magical. <laughs> so staying in the realm of winter sporting activities, let's head next to Badger Pass Ski and Snowboard Area. The Badger Pass is our little ski hill in Yosemite. It's pretty old. It opened in the 1930s. And it looks like it opened in the 1930s. It's super small, but it's really a lot of fun. It's uh, very non-committing, and you can ski a lot of laps on the hills. I think I've gotten in over 20 runs in a ski day one time, which was like me actually taking breaks for a beer. <laughs> so that was like not even really me trying. So you could probably even do a lot more than that. Um, so here are the stats for Badger Pass. So the elevation goes uh, sits at 7,200 feet up to 8,000 feet, and that gives it a vertical drop of 800 feet. You can see it's not not super committing. You come down those runs pretty fast. It takes a lot longer to ride the lift, in fact. The average temperature range is negative 30 degrees to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. It's warm most days. Um, There are 10 runs, uh, 35% beginner runs, 50% intermediate or blue runs, and then 15% advanced. And those are the, uh, quote, black diamond routes that we have um, that are pretty steep but very short. Uh, there are five chairlifts. One is usually not running. There's one triple chair, three double chairs, and one handle toe, um, and a beginner-friendly terrain park for snowboarders. And the handle toe is like on the bunny hill, so really good for kids to learn how to ski. I even went there as a kid when I was learning how to ski, so it's a super good place um, to learn. I do consider this a beginner ski area, but there are still enough things to keep advanced skiers entertained there as well. 
Definitely not as crowded or as expensive as going to those big resorts either. But if downhill skiing isn't your thing, and it's not for everyone, there are also miles of cross-country ski and snowshoe trails, and that includes an 11-mile uh, ski track that they set all the way from Badger Pass to Glacier Point. That's 11 miles one way. Keep that in mind. So it's not an easy day. <laughs> it's pretty long. Um, I did it once there and back in the same day, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and I'm used to this elevation, and I do ski a lot, so that was me. <laughs> Uh, so if you're not as, as, um, adept at, at cross country skiing, give that one a little bit of time to train, uh, but it's awesome. One of the best ski tracks you could probably do in the whole country. You can also rent skate skis and telemark skis. Uh, and there's even a snow tubing hill, uh, for, for, you know, sledding at Badger Pass. Uh, you can do that at the Nordic Center up there. Um, but note that personal sleds are not allowed at the ski area. So you will leave your toboggan in the car for that one and you will get, um, they will tell you not to sled there. They're pretty strict about it. And I think that's just because it's a safety concern. Um, the cross country and snowshoe routes up there are some of my favorite things to do in Yosemite. You don't even like, you don't need to buy any passes for that. It's, you know, you just need your skis basically and you can go. It's just so beautiful and so quiet. You can definitely have some time to yourself out there in the trees. Just tell someone where you're going, of course. Um, also I should mention the ski huts in Yosemite, uh, the Glacier Point ski hut and the hut at Astrander Lake have not been running in the past couple years. Um, but they will be in the future. And if they are, you can ski or snowshoe out to those and stay overnight, which is awesome. Uh, and this concept comes from like European snow huts, like hut to hut ski excursions. So this isn't super common in North America. I think it's becoming a little bit more popular now. So it's kind of a novel experience, one worth exploring if you'd like to overnight in a winter environment and wilderness without having to pack everything you need. Snow camping can be pretty intimidating. So that's an awesome uh, uh, option for you if you're into that. Again, it's like 11 miles out to Glacier Point, out to Ostrander. I'm not sure what the mileage is on skis. It's not an easy day, though. It's definitely going to be an all-day thing. Um, if you're just breaking into outdoor winter sports and would like a little more guidance, there are guided snowshoe walks that leave from the Nordic Center at Badger Pass Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. That's um, all information that I'll leave in the show notes. And that is a really good way to familiar, uh, familiarize yourself with that activity and to learn about Yosemite at the same time. So that does require advanced registration through the concession service operator or... I shouldn't say advanced registration, but it does require tickets. So you'll need to uh, purchase tickets for it or, or purchase your entry to it. And also you'll have to rent snowshoes if you don't have those. That's through the concession, uh, Yosemite Hospitality. So I will leave a link for that in the show notes. I should know this because I'm actually working there this winter, <laughs> um, but it's my first season there. So I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but it's pretty self-explanatory when you get to Badger Pass. It's very small, so you don't have to do a whole lot of sleuthing to figure out where to go and what to do. Uh, Yosemite National Park also has a free snow play area up at Crane Flat off of the Big Oak Flat Road or Highway 120. That's kind of on the opposite side as Badger Pass. Um, so they're not close together, although there are snow play areas just outside the park off of Highway 41 as well on your way to Badger Pass. Um, so the Crane Flat Snow area, that's a place where you can actually blaze your own ski or snowshoe trails and you can even do some sledding, uh, but you do have to bring your own stuff. They don't um, rent equipment there because there are no uh, facilities <laughs> Excuse me, at that location. 
sorry, I've been outside today and it's a little chilly, so I'm just warming up from that. Um, it's so Crane Flat is a higher elevation than Yosemite Valley. It's like 6,000 feet. So there is usually some snow. If we've had any weather before your winter trip, uh, just keep an eye on snow conditions before coming to Yosemite in winter to make sure you can enjoy those activities, sledding or skiing or snowshoeing. You can check webcams for Badger Pass and other areas um, here on the Yosemite National Park website. And I will include a link for that resource in the show notes, or you can just Google Yosemite webcams and that should pop up right away. And if you Google it this week, you'll see snow, which is so exciting. I love it. I love it. Oh, we need it so bad. Um, Okay. So another activity I would recommend in winter, one that I like to do also is uh, snowshoeing or walking up to the Mariposa Grove. It's about a two mile hike to the grove from the parking area. And I recommend this because Sequoia Groves are just impossibly beautiful in the snow. It's that red bark against the white. It's just amazing. Uh, And you will more than likely have the place to yourself or have very few people there to share it with. And, you know, those are all very um, respectful in the know people as well. So you'll have a great you'll have great company if anyone is there. But you'll have it'll be mostly to yourself, which is unheard of any other time of year. So the road to the grove is closed in the winter. So it does demand that hike up to it, um, which is about two miles in a vertical ascent and descent of like five to seven hundred feet or so. Um, But totally worth doing. If you are not a person, however, who enjoys winter sports or being outside in the cold, but you still want to visit in the winter or your family is forcing you to visit at that time of year, fret not. There are still lots of fun things to do that do not require Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Um, So sunning on the deck at Badger Pass with a good book is a great activity if you're not skiing. It's really nice and warm up there. Just be sure to bring a hat and some sunscreen because you will burn (laughs) really bad. Uh, They also have little indoor seating areas um, and food options and things like that there. So it's not just skiing. There's there's other stuff to do. Uh, Sitting by the fire at the Curry Village Ice Rink, of course, or taking a quiet afternoon by a roaring indoor fire at the Great Lounge at the Awani Hotel are also warm and worthy activities. Uh, Typically, we have a few annual events that take place at the Awani in the winter. Um, Although we have not been running them the last couple of years, I'm going to include them here because I think these will be returning in 2022 and 2023 and beyond, uh, hopefully. And these events always kick off with the Vintners holidays. So Vintners takes place in November, so it's not technically a winter activity, but it's a great prelude to the holiday season. It's a wine and dinner event with winemakers from all over California and includes four wine tasting sessions and a five course meal designed to pair with the wines. So I guess they feed you a bunch of food after the tastings to soak up all the alcohol. I just went wine tasting and I can do like two at a time before I'm ready for a nap. So make sure, I mean, I'm pretty small. Make sure you have some lunch before attending this event. I've never been, but I've heard it's a lot of fun um, and you learn a lot and I really hope to get to one in the future. I, I love wine. So this is like the perfect thing for me. Um, Bracebridge dinner is the next uh, event in the winter at the Iwani, and that takes place at Christmas time. So I did a whole episode on Bracebridge from season two of the podcast because it actually has quite a history to it. But basically, it's a seven course meal with a Christmas show. Um, and that's based on an old Washington Irving story. So it's kind of like a medieval Christmas dinner with skits and songs woven in throughout the meal. And these are huge courses that they bring you as well. So Bring your eating pants. Uh, <laughs> Bracebridge has been an annual tradition in Yosemite since the hotel first opened in 1927. 
It's quite the extravaganza. And side note, visiting the Awani uh, at Christmas, it is, isn't itself a reward for your visit because they really dress that place up for the holidays. And it's just lovely. The people who built the Iwani were obsessed with Christmas time. So they made that a priority early on. And that tradition has carried on since then. There are just lights. I mean, they bring in professionals for this. It's a pretty big deal. There are lights and decorations and greenery everywhere. And it really feels like you've stepped back in time walking the halls. And it even smells good. It's super cozy. Very hoogie. So bring your big holiday sweater. Uh, We also typically have Chef's Holiday in January, which, again, will not be running in 2022, but hopefully in 2023. And that is in January again. So this one is when renowned chefs from all over the country come to the Iwani to tantalize your taste buds with their creative Epicurean delights. The website for Chef's Holidays describes the event like this. Quote, America's most renowned chefs come together at the Iwani to share their cuisine at an exceptional event, capturing the flavors of traditional American favorites infused with each chef's unique twist, from modern cosmopolitan flair to bold Asian flavors to delightful French influences, each dish complements the next. Sounds like a lot of variety, so I'm going to have to trust them on that one. So there's a lot of eating for this one, uh, but there are also cooking demos and you get to meet the chefs and they're all super psyched to be cooking at the Iwani because it's famous and the kitchen is enormous. And fun fact, the kitchen at the Iwani is almost the same size as the dining room, which can seat over 300 people at one time, which makes it the second largest room in the whole building. Uh, This event also includes a five course meal with wine pairings like Vintners. Oh, and don't worry, there's also plenty of drinking at Bracebridge too. So wine and dinner are kind of a Yosemite pastime, especially in the winter. Got to keep warm somehow. Uh, So keep those events in mind for a future visit. And of course, uh, advanced registration is required for each of those events. And I will include the links for the websites uh, in the show notes for today's episode for those as well. Uh, Winter is also a great time to take in some valley hikes uh, with way fewer people on the trails than at other times of year. The hike to Mirror Lake is particularly lovely, although it can be icy, so bring some traction devices for that. Uh, it usually has at least a little water running, um, maybe even is frozen over in some places. There was one year where the whole uh, lake froze over and people went ice skating on it, which is pretty cool. Uh, I don't recommend that unless you know <laughs> it's safe, so <laughs> go with someone who knows ice. That that does happen from time to time. Um, and winter is my preferred time to hike Upper Yosemite Falls Trail because it gets a lot of sun. So the temperature is just right at that time of year. It's like 65 degrees. Um, and there are, again, hardly any people on it. The Mist Trail is usually closed in the winter due to icy conditions, but you can still get to the top of Vernal and Nevada Falls via the John Muir Trail, which is a little longer, but not as dangerous as ascending icy steps with a vertical drop off, as would be the case with the Mist Trail. I would also recommend taking a walk on the Valley Loop from Yosemite Village with stops in Cook's Meadow and Lower Yosemite Fall. You can do a little loop uh, from the village. And the reward, the reward there is being that you will likely have those places to yourself. If you come outside of winter holidays, it does still get busy around Christmas and New Year's and on long weekends. So keep that in mind as well. I know I'm selling winters this quiet time, but it can get busy. You just need to avoid those busy times. Uh, bonus, if you come <laughs> to Yosemite when conditions allow for fresh Frazzle Ice and Yosemite Creek, just below Yosemite Falls. And Frazzle Ice is when the air temperature and the motion of the water create this really cool slushy effect in the creek. Uh, I don't want to dig too much into it because it's kind of complicated. But for more information on Frazzle Ice, check out uh, podcast episode 10 from season two um, of this podcast called The Snow Cone and Frazzle Ice. And I talk all about that winter phenomenon. 
There's also a video online that you can find about it. You just type in frazzle ice. It should be the first thing that pops up. And finally, and perhaps most worthy winter activities are the ranger walks and interpretive programs, including snowshoe walks, naturalist strolls, historic hotel tours, and astronomy programs, among many other things. But those vary from year to year. And of course, a lot of those programs were temporarily discontinued with uh, with the pandemic. But according to my sources, we should be all systems go in 2022 with everything up and running again. So you should have a lot of options in the coming months if this pandemic ever comes to an end. And I I suppose this is a good time for a little PSA here on behalf of myself to say that if you haven't been vaccinated, please consider doing that or getting your booster if you're up for that so we can get back to normal and have those programs running again. I really... More than anything, I really want these free educational programs to come back. They've been gone since the pandemic started. But that will only happen if those infection numbers drop. Okay. So end of PSA. Um, You can find more information for those activities, the walks and tours and programs and everything else I mentioned in today's episode in the current Yosemite guide, uh, which is your best resource for visiting any time of year. And you can pick up the Yosemite guide. They're always current. Um, You can pick those up at the entrance station when you enter the park or at the visitor center or any of the lodging facilities. And I will also include a digital version for the Yosemite guide in today's show notes so you can even plan ahead. Well, I think that's it for my winter guide to Yosemite. I hope this episode motivates you to visit in the off season or what I would consider the best season. Seriously though, if you have not visited Yosemite in winter, it is a must do and you will not be dealing with the headaches that come from visiting the park during peak season. If you want to know more about Yosemite in winter, check out the links I left in the show notes or you can always reach out to me with any questions. I'm happy to help in any way I can to make your Yosemite visit an enjoyable one. You can reach me at my email. I am still at littleyopod at gmail.com or yosemitepod at gmail.com. And I will leave those addresses in today's show notes as well. And you can also reach me on Facebook or Instagram. I am at yosemitepod for both of those. This week, I want to thank listener Paul for for suggesting today's episode and for giving me his ideas, uh, more ideas of bad behavior in Yosemite. And I wanted to share one here at the end of this episode. So this is a follow-up to my episode where I highlighted what not to do in Yosemite and asked uh, listeners for any other suggestions. And Paul pointed out the mist trail conundrum with foot traffic coming up and down those stone steps at the same time. So during COVID, the rule was to hike up the steps and then come down the John Muir Trail so people were not passing each other which I think should just be a rule in general because it's super unsafe to walk down those narrow steps while people are coming up. So I'm going to second this and say that we need to make this a one-way trail or a one-way loop. So it would be uphill traffic only on the Mist Trail and downhill traffic takes the John Muir Trail. I wish the Park Service would make this a rule, seriously. Great suggestion, Paul. And thank you as always for your constant support. One last thing before I go, if you like this podcast and want to help support us, please leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. They really help more people find us. And they also make me feel really good every time I read them. And it's almost Christmas, so it'll be a nice little Christmas present for me. (laughs) doesn't even cost you anything. Uh, If you leave a review, I will give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. And what is better than that? Instant celeb status. (laughs) All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Yosemite Podcast. I'm Laura Jackson. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you in Yosemite.